0: Hello, and welcome to episode three of the Grace People podcast. My name is Dan Lugo, and I'm your host as we explore grace in every corner of our community, White Bear Lake, Minnesota, and beyond. Today, we get to talk about one of my three favorite subjects, and that is... Coffee. And we have none other than the inimitable Mara and Bruce from Ox and Crow Coffee in Lake Elmo. Uh, they are wonderful coffee roasters, and they have become friends, and I'm so excited for you to hear from them. Uh, as you're thinking about Christmas and shopping, consider getting people coffee, because, hey, things are kind of crazy right now, and you know what makes most people feel better? Lots and lots of coffee, especially on those cold, dark, cloudy... Hey. Enough about me. Let's get on with our conversation with Mara and Bruce. Here we go. I met you guys at, at Ox and Crow, the coffee shop in Woolerny, and this would have been the beginning of 2017?
1: 2017. Because
0: you started yeah. in October-ish of 2016?
1: Uh, we started in May of 2017. That's 20- when we bought okay. the, the old coffee cottage. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. So we bought the the coffee cottage um, with the intention of we knew we were going to change the name but we had bought it um, uh, what we loved about it was the, the community that they had already created um, mm-hmm. at that coffee shop. It had already been there 20 years and my lifelong goal of wanting to have a coffee shop and a, a place to gather people um, came to fruition through the purchase of the coffee cottage thanks to the you know, three amazing women that had built that business over the previous 20 years. And so we were able to actually start our dream right off the, you know, with a running start because of the hard work of those that came before us. So
0: So it wasn't like starting from scratch, like let's pick a new location that's never had a restaurant or a coffee shop. Let's do a whole new build out. It was like, okay, we've got established clientele. One of my favorite things, because um, I want to hear definitely about the baking side, because that was a big side of it mm-hmm. for you guys, yeah, yeah. Um, but the, the just the Pillsbury twist thing. <laughs> like, <laughs> can you just tell that story? Just the, the phenomenon of the Pillsbury twists.
1: Well, I, as I understand, they had been serving that for 20 years. Um, I think a lot of people thought we, or they made them from scratch, um, but they were... Um, this the twist the cinnamon twist and everybody in town loves the cinnamon twist at love from the coffee cottage mm-hmm. and of course i had to carry that over to um our shop with uh, it was very painful for me to do because <laughs> i am a baker and i enjoy baking and we bruce was actually um making handmade you know brioche and and yeah. we were making homemade everything everything and so yeah. i woke yeah. up
2: really early every morning and i would go in I made this handmade brioche, you know, I would get the yeast started and everything (laughs) and we'd let it proof over, you know, overnight, we'd punch it down in the morning, I'd come in, I'd make these beautiful cinnamon rolls from scratch.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. And one day, one Saturday, we decided not to put out the twist, we were going to put out my cinnamon rolls. (laughs) and. It was like a revolt. It was like they started showing up with pitchforks, and you know uh, they were going to burn the place down if I didn't get. And so we panicked and we put the twists on a pan and thawed them out and got them back in the oven and so we had something him. to put back on the shelf. It was so funny, and I was, I, w- I we would go home and we would talk about the day's events, right? And I was like. I can't believe that you could make a fresh made product like that from scratch and you put your heart and your soul into it and it got rejected for a Pillsbury product that That's came right. frozen. <laughs> so it was they kind are of good busy. though. They are they, good. They, they, they are, are good. tasty. And yeah. you know and there is I mean, there's probably endocrinologists all over the world thanking us because we just gave them a whole bunch of business. There's so much yeah. sugar in there.
0: <laughs> just so much stuff that people yeah. shouldn't have, but right, it's still, yeah. so that's the addiction. Yeah, yeah. and it's yeah. The, well, and
1: it's a tradition. You know, yeah. for so many people, you know, they would go there as a kid. You know, mm-hmm. go as a kid with dad on Friday and get their cinnamon twist, and it was just be oh, part yeah. of a tradition that is just so you know heartfelt and, and embedded in in our community and in that town. And so it's a it's I love it now. It, it took a little while, but I love the I love the tradition. So, like so. That, from yeah. that
2: day on, we yeah. carried on that tradition yeah. of cinnamon twist. we were like
0: you know don't fight something that works like that yeah and right so we were like if that's what you know if that's yeah. what feeds the people and yeah. it makes them feel at yeah. home okay yeah. you know, yeah. we can uh, yeah. and you don't really have to explain that i'm sitting in a lutheran church you know <laughs> <laughs> right. i get it you know some things are just like well this is how it's been done for yeah. a long time so we're just gonna leave it like right. that yeah Yep. You, yeah, I'd love to hear a little bit about uh, just it's all stories, you know. Yeah. Stories are good, um, like the lifeline, and this is partially because I just want to know, like the lifeline of the shop.
1: So um, there was three previous owners before I and before I, we bought it. Um, Janelle had the shop for ten years, mm-hmm. um, and so it was it was kind of a hard transition. I mean, you know, ten years of the same um, ownership, um, and then coming in, and I had to, I was very. I had to work very hard to be um, I wanted to be respectful and mindful and methodical about Mm -hmm. the transition because I knew I was going to change it. And Mm -hmm. I knew that it had been there doing the same thing for 20 years. um, And I wanted to be respectful of, um, of that change because I knew it was going to be really hard for the community um, for me to first of all, change the name, but also change the um, just kind of the way of doing things because because we were going to be so coffee centric, Bruce started roasting our coffee, our espresso. Um, we were very fussy about um, the quality of the drinks, how they were made, very exacting about our our process. Um, and you know, with that change is hard. Change is just hard for 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 communities after, especially after twenty years. So um, we waited about six months before we really started implementing the 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 name change letting people know we were going to change the name and um so it was like
0: a verbal slow roll like hey just so you know we're gonna do oh wow so this was this was really methodical it was it
1: was because we we were afraid of losing people and we were afraid of losing people's trust and losing their um i just wanted them to trust and know that i cared about them and that this was going to be a hard change so and it's not that we you know went completely off the rails on everybody but um Mm -hmm. but i did do it differently you know and so um it took a while it took a while but in the end it definitely paid off i mean we we were able to actually grow the business by 70 percent in the three years that we were there um and really you know started seeing another um you know group of of coffee people coming in there Mm -hmm. so um it was super super fun well,
2: and I think it was was rather intentional and a little bit. Um, it was really important for us to buy a coffee shop or we wanted to be a part of a coffee shop where you walked in and it felt like cheers or it kind of felt like it was your coffee shop, you know. Mm-hmm. And so we were a little bit stalkerish and we went to the coffee cottage many times and just sat there as patrons and just kind of took the you know, the the feeling and the vibe of it, uh, of the coffee shop in. And we were trying to decide, is this really, can we see ourselves? Could we imagine ourselves being here running that coffee shop? Because that whole sense of being a part of the Matamidi community was really important to us or whatever coffee shop that we wanted to be a part of, that sense of community was important and you know we didn't take that lightly because we felt like that was the foundation of our the business that we wanted to start
1: and it and, was already the foundation of the coffee cottage you know yeah. we wanted to be able to continue to grow that foundation instead of we inherited you know, yeah that and we wanted to respect them. that yeah. so um
0: well that's yeah. definitely the vibe the first time that i went in there i went in with my buddy tim who's a member here and a friend of mine and we were uh I feel like it was New Year's Day. Would that be right? Would you have Oh, we been? would have been Maybe, yeah, it was like, hey, we yep. want to go get coffee. And then I saw, like, I was looking up and I was like, there, there, what? There's a roastery <laughs> over in Matamina? What? So we, like, Jumped on over, and I'd driven by the Coffee Cottage, you know how many ever times right. going to Stillwater yeah. or uh, just passing by. I was like, oh, I've got to stop in there one day. But as soon as I found out, like Roastery, that was that was it for me. It's Like mm-hmm. we are going there now. We went in, and you, uh, I remember Mara, you just talked to us mm-hmm. for like you know five minutes <laughs> about whatever, and that's how yeah. uh, we just and uh, we just got so interested in what you were doing, and we did taste the we got some homemade goods that were so good, and the mm-hmm. coffee was. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, And still one of my, you know, there's probably 25 roasteries in the Twin Cities, and I definitely put you guys top five in my, in my opinion. Um, So just really
2: kind of you to say. Yeah.
0: And it's true. And I wouldn't just say that. (laughs) So really excited about that. Um, How is that? So that went on for a while Mm
1: -hmm. and now
0: you're transitioning. You transitioned again.
1: Yeah. So what happened was, so we were there for three years um, and started roasting, um mainly for the for the shop and um bruce was still working is still working his full-time job at medtronic and um was coming in after hours and roasting for the shop and that started getting really busy and then we picked up you know a couple small accounts you know like Moldcraft would buy five pounds from us and roma restaurant would buy five or you know 10 pounds from us and um we just started you know having to roast more and more coffee and he would he just couldn't keep up Mm -hmm. and so we decided we were going to get a bigger roaster get -hmm. a new space um keep the coffee shop um but do the roasting in another space and then be able to provide coffee for more wholesale accounts um and that was in january it was january this past january um of 2021 we got our new roaster Mm -hmm. um all hooked up we moved into a amazing space in lake elmo downtown lake elmo directly across the street from the lake elmo inn um got a big nice 12k probat roaster and uh started that in january and started roasting out of there and providing for our shop and also um lake elmo coffee had a little coffee shop and so we started providing coffee for them and Mm -hmm. it was great everything was great and uh You know, we were ready to renew our lease in April at the coffee shop. We were going to kind of expand. We had just put up a mural and we're buying new equipment and things like that. And when COVID hit on March 17th and they shut down basically all the restaurants on March 17th, um, we had to make the fast decision of what we were going to do, especially with the uncertainty of what was to come. Mm -hmm. Um, And we just determined that it, for us, having just opened the roastery, not knowing what was going to happen at the coffee shop, you know, or the whole restaurant business um, right. industry. Um, we determined we would we would really just focus on one thing and be really good at the one thing, which was roasting. And so we yeah. we ended up not renewing our lease. We were able to sell our shop very quickly. Um, we surprisingly had four offers on it, you know, wow. um, within you know just a few days. Um,
0: but we, we it priced up. it to sell. Yeah, we priced it like, to sell. Yeah. You know, of
1: course. Um, but we found a lovely, uh, lovely couple um, from Matamita. I bought the shop, mm-hmm. and they're running that um, as the. It's called the Wild Bean. Um, they changed the name to the Wild Bean, and really, they've really done a great job. So I'm really excited for them. That's
0: so, awesome. Yeah, yeah, I haven't made it out to visit the the new shop yet. You had made a comment about the hours. Yeah. <laughs> we should have
1: done. I know. They they are smart. They they're open from seven to one. I was open till four every day, but, but I think um those shorter hours work better now. You know, oh, like they may not have worked. Now. True. Yeah, they yep. may not have worked for me back then. Mm-hmm. Um, but for them it works great and it's it really helps kind of keep everything corralled in and um, you know, perhaps someday they'll expand their hours, but for now it works for them and um it I I, <laughs> I thought, gosh, I wish I could have done that because yeah. it would have saved me, you know, yeah. 20 hours a week of, of labor, but doing that and I could have yeah. done other things. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm just really curious, like what kind of emotions went with that? The process of selling it, you had grown this thing oh. over two, three, three years. Three years yeah. And then,
1: um, it was, it was a really, uh, well, it was, I mean, it was a hard three years though, Dan, um, you know, as you may or may not know, they had in the three summers we were there two of the summers were solid construction you couldn't get into the town yeah I mean, you the couldn't get whole into our road shop. was ripped
0: up you yeah. had to walk around even to yeah. park yeah. Um,
1: that first summer was five months and they had barriered off the whole front of the shop so you had to come in through the back and you couldn't cross the street and it was um it was very emotionally rough you know because people couldn't get into the shop and then we had the next summer was phenomenal the summer of 2018, and the farmer's market was on, and the pumpkin mania was on, and you could get in our shop, and we had new sidewalks, and it was great. Um, and then the following summer, from April 1st till December 1st, uh, eight months, you couldn't get into Montemite. You know, you couldn't even get to the town, let alone get into the shop. And so that right. was really um, stressful as well. Um, but we got through it, and we still grew, and we people still supported us, and they still came together, and they still came together to be together and to support us and, and it worked, you know, we got through it. And so this summer was going to be our, this was going to be, you know, the greatest, you know, summer of all. Um, And when that was taken, you know, when that was sort of abruptly ended, we realized we just, I just couldn't, I just didn't feel like I could try to figure out how to kind of crawl out of another adverse situation three things in three years and mm-hmm. so um it was a hard decision but it was you know i the, i knew i
2: couldn't do it and they have another construction project on the books at least before covid yeah i uh, don't know for downtown matamita so yeah. i mean they're you know they were talking about shutting it down again and that at, would have at been at hilton
1: trail yeah mm-hmm. so, so we just we knew been. it was for us i mean i had to i had to pick or you know and and it and, of course, it all works out. It always does. Everything is, mm-hmm. everything is the way it is supposed to be. And um, we, we're we just so happy to be doing the roasting and really focusing on that. And, um, and that Christy and Jeff are doing great at the shop. And, and they're still buying our coffee. They're buying our espresso. They're serving our product. And they're selling our beans in the shop. And so mm-hmm. people, the, the community can still get our coffee. Yes. Um, and they're preparing it just like we did, and you know, using our recipes and our proportions on everything, our cold brew, everything. And so, it's really, um, it feels good to know that at least it, it's still there. The community mm-hmm. still gets, you know, great coffee, and they still get their coffee shop in their community gathering house. You know, so um, it, it all worked out really, really well in the end. But it was hard, yes. It was really, it was painful. You know, so. You
2: you know you had mentioned like what are some of the emotions that you went through when that when that hit or when you decided to sell. I think the thing that I miss the most is that is meeting up with the members of the community mm. that came into our coffee shop. I we really liked talking with each other and the banter that would go back and forth was kind of funny. You know, I I miss uh, Jim who would come in and he had always. Uh, Tell me that I belonged in the back room, that I really couldn't come out from the back room because that's where the roaster was. And so he, you know, he made up this story that Mar would keep me in the back room and wouldn't let me out and all this other stuff, and that I wasn't allowed to go beyond this line. And if I ever did come out, he'd say, What are you doing out here? You need to go back and back behind there. So I, you know, from me, that's what I miss. For,
1: I will, I mean, I have to second what Bruce just said. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, that shop was, I mean, I loved going in there every day and seeing our people, you know, and Mm -hmm. our staff, you know, the, just the relationship with our staff Mm -hmm. as well. And watching our staff's relationship with our customers was just awesome. I get to still, you know, I deliver coffee on Tuesdays there. So I get to, you know, I always hope to run into, you know to people i know which of course i always do you know so i get Mm -hmm. to catch up on all the news
0: right you (laughs) You You get to get get your fill yeah what is what does community looked like for you um in the time of covid just for you guys as a family as uh with your friends what is how has that changed for you
1: um, you know, we, it's actually been an interesting transition being in Lake Elmo now because I was born, well, I wasn't born there, but raised there, um, lived there my whole life and, um, we're in the downtown old village and we actually live in the old village as well. And, um, of course there's a lot of growth and, you know, new housing and stuff coming up in Lake Elmo, but I just, I open the door at the roastery if I'm just there, whatever, packaging coffee or, you know, making some cold brew, whatever. And it's been super fun meeting um old and new friends there mm. um people just pop in they come in and say hi you know i we see the same we're right next to the post office so we get to see mm-hmm. lots and people lots of people because everybody goes to the post office right. and um the new they've got a newspaper box there so we've got our three or four guys that walk into town every day to get their <laughs> newspaper so they always got to pop in and say hi and so i've actually mm. been able to um get a little bit of that fill, fill that part of my soul that needs to have that community um, Mm. through um, just opening the door at the roastery. Even though we Mm. don't serve coffee, we don't serve, you know, um, brewed coffee or anything, but people pop in just to say hi and pick up a bag of coffee and um, to really just chat and catch up on the news and and talk about the old days of Lake Elmo. So Mm. it's actually um, turned out way better than I expected. I thought I was going to kind of be all alone in the roastery, you know, just, you know, I don't know, hold up. With, yeah. Kind of hold up and not having that, that connection with the people that I, I desperately need to, I mean, that's just part of me as part of part of what I need in my life and in my world. And so it's been, it's been awesome. I've met so many new people and so many, mm. um, great people and we've really had great support from the little town of lake emmo as well so it's been fun um and then sometimes he'll roast on a saturday um or a, a sunday and people pop in and just to see him roast and ask a few questions and um certainly it's not what it was but um but we feel very blessed to at least have that opportunity that i'm sure a lot of people are missing you mm-hmm. know in this time of covid so I'm sure they're
0: as thankful to see you as you are to see them. (laughs) Yeah,
1: probably, probably, Uh, yeah, yeah. You
2: know, at first it didn't seem that bad, but then it started to wear on me a little bit. And I noticed that the typical signs of depression, if you're, like, quick to anger, right, and that Mm -hmm. sort of thing, you know, um, I was noticing those signs in myself, and I was like, it, it had to have been... From just being socially isolated for that long, we you know our grandkids live like two blocks from us, and we didn't get to and you see weren't them able to see them. Oh man, yeah. And so that was really really hard for us because they were such a huge part of our life before that, and then just to go cold turkey and you know it's not the same doing it over you know uh, FaceTime or or a Zoom chat you know with your grandkids mm-hmm. it's
1: you
2: know we miss that so um,
1: we see them now. now we see them yeah. so
0: we've we've we're part of their bubble yeah, yeah. good yeah. Your your quarantine yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. As, uh, <laughs> i like our, that one. our <laughs> hana here calls yeah, that right. quarantine, quarantine. <laughs> yeah like that's it. great couple questions one is that i've been asked ask everybody who comes on this is our vision statement is seeing grace in every corner of our community and that word kind of has different connotations for different people but i just like to ask it for where you are for however you understand that word where do you see grace in where you are or in what you're doing in your part of the community
2: for me i think where i see grace uh in our community with what we're doing is that um we live a life in america that is parallel to no other country in the whole world the the things that we have the uh, freedoms that we have for example but um, when I see where coffee is made and you know being a coffee roaster you get really close to where the coffee is made and um, on the farm and specifically we buy from a farm that uh, we met the farmers and they're from Honduras and we saw like how much effort and the kind of lifestyle that they have there and for me the sense of grace in our community is that um i know that where that coffee came from and i it makes me really appreciate uh the the life that we do have Mm. um and but also i know that You know, that it allows us to do something bigger than ourselves by doing something simple, buying a cup of coffee, you buy that a coffee that's a direct trade like what we have, that money is going back to that farm. And what they're doing is on this specific farm, and you can read about it more, um, is that they're building shelter for their workers, they're they're providing clothing for their workers. I mean, you know, you, you would think okay, a worker on my farm they have the basic minimal clothing required to pick coffee, but they don't.
0: But mm-hmm.
2: uh, and they just installed running water for their farm. So I mean, you know, things that we take for granted every day, uh, they're just now implementing in this farm in Honduras. And so for me, when we buy their coffee, it's it's more than just the flavor of the coffee and the taste of the coffee. I know what we're doing is providing uh you know the monies uh, to that farm and you know prevent the exploitation of those workers, you know, because that money's going directly back to the farm,
1: which in turn goes back into the community, yeah you know so the-
2: they, you know then they're buying grains from their other farmers, you know, locally to, to make food for themselves. And so that money is staying within their community. Mm-hmm. So for me, I see, and that's when, you know, when you, we talked about sitting down and talking with you, we wanted to talk part about the supply chain of coffee. Because I don't think people know when they go into Starbucks, for example, that the, the money that Starbucks pays, you know, to... Uh, buy their coffee isn't necessarily a fair trade or a direct trade price. Mm. And so um, that that can uh, push the market down. And, and really, the coffee producers can't produce coffee at a certain price and still make a profit or even, you know, break right. even. And so... When we pay our direct trade price, we know that we're paying a price that's fair to the producer, the the farmer, and um, we're not, you know, and they're not exploiting people. So, mm-hmm. um, for me, that's really important. It's part of what I would want to leave behind. You know, if somebody came to you and said, "Hey, the coffee that you're buying, you know, the farmers aren't making it on the price that you're paying," you'd feel really bad. Mm. And I think that for us, that's become an important part of our business mm-hmm. is that we want to try to do that. And the, the cop, the, the whole, um, not the wholesaler, but the, um, the people that import that we buy our other coffees from, they're very, they work with the farmers directly. So even though it's not a direct trade um, where we buy our coffee in Minneapolis, Um, it's about as close to that as you can get. We pay a higher price because we want to make sure that, you know, that coffee market is sustained. Mm -hmm. And so I guess for me, that's, that's what it is. It it made me think about the privileges that we have. And I feel the sense of grace because of that, you know, it, it was only because I was born in America that that I had this this grace, you know, and so I, I feel very thankful for that.
0: Yeah, I definitely appreciate that. So if somebody if want if somebody wanted to, uh, somebody who buys coffee and drinks coffee w- thought to themselves, "Wow, I would like to be more conscientious about my coffee buying." Um, first, of course, they could just buy straight from you, right? Um, mm-hmm. But Aside from that, if they were looking, what kind of what kind of words are we looking for? That tell us, okay, this is a coffee that is helping more than it's harming.
1: The you'd want the the like as fair far as trade, the, fair trade. Okay, um, we we call ours direct trade. Um, they are fair trade um, certified, but we're doing direct trade because we're buying directly from the farmer. Um, fair trade might be you might have a one or two middlemen, but the the prices reflected ensure. Um, um, if it is a fair trade certified coffee, that the farmers are being fairly treated, and they are, it is a fair trade price that you're paying for the coffee, and the farmers are being not being exploited. Um, ours is direct trade because we're giving all the money directly to the farmer. There is no middleman, so that's why we really like the direct trade um, for our purposes. But but when we're not buying from them, we buy fair trade, fair trade, and uh, you know organic is always nice because um uh you know that it's it's certified organic but you know you can speak to that that it's it's really hard to get that organic certification in Mm. these third world countries to
2: so um, you know imagine you're a farmer and you have this small estate kind of farm let's say you know 10 acres or less and you're growing coffee there and you're the the when you bring your crop to market you get paid and you were able to pay your bills, and your you know the cost of you know the the plants and the workers that harvested it, and there was a little bit left over for you. But then somebody swoops in and says, "Hey, we want your farm to be uh, certified organic." And the amount of money that it costs to get certified organic is huge. And they look in their pocketbook and they don't have that, even though they practice organic practices on their mm-hmm. farm. They they wouldn't be able to afford that working. So it's, in a sense, it's something that is important to Americans, but it's been practiced on the coffee farm for a long, long time. Mm.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, so, and then the same thing goes with fair trade. <clears throat> you know, uh-huh. all the in America the laws about labeling can be you know manipulated, and so for example, you could put ten percent of fair trade coffee in a bag of coffee. And you can call that fair trade. Wow.
0: Okay. I didn't so know it's that. not
2: yeah. necessarily what what's important, I think, is that, you know, for is to understand where your food comes from. I think that's something that Mar and I really believe heavily in. And when you talk about direct trade, like we've met the people that own the farm and they live in Atlanta. And it just so ha- we met them by happenstance because my daughter lives in Atlanta. So when we met them um we knew that you know their practices he they were very forthcoming with the way they do their practices so they're certified organic they're certified bird friendly because uh, one of the there was just an article on their website about how they plant uh, hot peppers uh, plants around the coffee plants and the birds uh, love the hot peppers but then stay away from the coffee and they don't feel the capsaicin or the heat in the pepper, like a human does. And so they can eat those peppers and the seeds and not, you know, burn their mouth. or oh. <laughs> So it was kind of an interesting, I didn't mm-hmm. know they were doing that. And that that's one of the ways that they're bird friendly.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and they're also certified. Um, what was the name of the organization? It was uh,
1: Manos de Mujeres, which is a um, certification that um, they received for um fair wages uh, or equitable wages for women, for women workers laborers. um
0: yeah. had as being women's hands yeah yeah yep
1: yep and so they have that gender equity pay for for the women and um they're really such a um integral part of the coffee uh culture um people might not realize how much women contribute to that but um they're they, they have that certification they have uh um, they use sustain, all sustainable practices on their farm. They also have, you know, goats and cows and chickens, and mm-hmm. uh, you know they have this whole sustainable uh, farm that is just incredible. I mean, if you go on their website, it's it's called Finca Terrarito. Um mm-hmm. Finca T, we call it. Um, in Copan, Honduras, and what they're doing is just un- unbelievable, what they're doing in that community. So we're just so proud to to carry their coffee, and we carry um, four of their um, varieties. We do a uh, our farmhouse, which is our medium roast, a crow's nest, which is a dark roast, their natural um, process, and then a honey process that they yeah. have. So right. we we serve four of their coffees and, and sell four of their coffees. So we're really... Excited about that, so.
2: So I think yeah. to to answer your question, I would, if it were me, you know, this is my personal opinion. I would get to know my local coffee roaster and and ask them directly that what what are the some of the things that you do to investigate where you get your green coffee, and you know, um, it, what would be a way that you would know that this, the money was going directly back to the farmers and that. And you ask for like what kind of keywords would you be looking for I would say anybody who says they have a direct trade partnership with a farm mm-hmm. um, is the kind of language that you would be looking so yeah that I would say direct yeah. Direct trade, but yeah. you know, have a conversation with your coffee roaster. And you know, a lot of people think, "Oh, you just must drink Ox and Crow coffee." Oh, heck no! I go all <laughs> over the place, <laughs> you go everywhere. And I drink go to Foodstap. I go to, you know, other coffee roasters. The Dogwood Roots Roasting, and we're, you know, we know most of those people. Mm-hmm. And they they know we're a coffee roaster, but we go there, you know, to taste their coffees, but to also see what they're doing and ask questions, you know.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And the community of coffee roasting is very friendly. Mm-hmm. So far, has been really super mm-hmm. friendly and like yeah. I, everything I see with the different networking
0: yeah. online, yeah. all the Instagram, you know, like for instance, mm-hmm. on yeah. Instagram, all the cop shops follow each other, and yeah. everybody seems to be yeah. commenting when everybody has somebody has a new roast or something. Yeah. Very encouraging.
1: Yeah, if something good happens. We're all. You know, when we all do better, we all do better, right? Yes. <laughs> well, <laughs> and honestly, we all support each other. I think
2: our philosophy is is exactly that: that you know, uh, we can raise coffee culture or awareness in the market. And if you, if we increase the market size by twenty percent, and we split that twenty percent amongst the coffee roasters in the Twin Cities, mm-hmm. that's you know, that's a good business uh, plan or model. But if you tried to hoard that entire 20%, the likelihood that you're going to raise that market is really low because, mm-hmm. you know, you're you're keeping it for yourself and you're not spreading it to affect the most people that you could that, you know, they tell two friends and they tell, so the more that you get that out there, the better. And that's why I think that most of us do that. And. Some of the fun facts, I think Minneapolis is uh, ranked 11th in coffee, you know. Okay. uh, What would you say, like, the ranking of, like, the best coffee cities in the country? Minneapolis is number 11. So you think about all the huge cities that are probably behind Minneapolis. So the coffee culture in Minnesota, and specifically Minneapolis, is rather large. And so, you know, uh, I think we... As roasters have done a good job of raising that that market, mm-hmm. you know, and we we would joke we would have our coffee shop we would look down the street at Caribou and it would just be packed and we said, man, if we could just take away twenty percent of the people 10%. that were ten percent, I said twenty, but Mario would say ten.
1: Like I take ten, and
2: you know, we, yes. if we could just take away twenty percent and share that with Anchor and you know, our coffee shop and Lake Elmo coffee shop, I said it would make it would double our it would double each of our businesses. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, we owe them a debt of gratitude. So don't get me wrong. Like I'm not an anti uh, Starbucks or an anti Caribou kind of guy. Uh, we owe them a debt of gratitude, because they're really the founders of the third wave coffee movement. Mm-hmm. And it uh, um, I think that there's people like us that sees the next level of coffee market growth, and I think that if it becomes important enough to consumers that you want to find out where your coffee comes from, or like in our case the direct trade uh, situation, then you know we're hoping to grow that awareness because we are becoming more global with our the way we think and the you know with at least before COVID, you could travel a lot more and, and see other places of the world. So, um, yeah. So, I th- like I said, if you know, we
0: there's enough to share mm-hmm. all around. Well, Mara, Bruce, thank you again so much for being on the show. Your hearts for the world and for the people that you work with, the people that bring us great coffee. Your hearts are huge and that is so evident in who you are and what you do. So thank you again. As an added bonus to you, oh, listener who loves coffee, we on our YouTube channel are uploading a conversation with Mara, Bruce, and I, where we nerd out about coffee. Different roasts, uh, what what is third wave coffee? What does that even mean? And more, so you can check that out. Just search on YouTube for Grace People Podcast. For those of you who are wondering, how can I get some of this great coffee? I'm glad you asked. Check out oxandcrow.com you can also find them on Facebook as well as Instagram make sure to go and spend a lot of money just just go spend all of your christmas money and support them as you're buying gifts for everyone it's a good idea they Well, this episode has been brought to you by Community of Grace Lutheran Church in White Bear Lake. We are a Lutheran church that's been around here for a long time, doing a lot of good things and partnering with a lot of great organizations in the area. You can check us out at gracepeople.church. And if you just want to check it out online, gracepeople.live on Sunday mornings, as well as most social media channels at GracePeopleMN. Well, that's it for this episode of the Grace People podcast. I'm your host, Dan Lugo, and this has been fantastic. I've loved being here. And guess what? Next time we get to talk about one of my favorite subjects, more coffee. That's right. We'll have Brad Atkinson from Anchor Coffee joining us. And he's got a huge heart for this community. You don't want to miss it. So until then, remember to take grace into every corner of our community because we could all use a little grace. But.